Hey, welcome back to another episode of Is What It Is podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, we got a great episode for you tonight, really just dealing with just breaking news and hot takes, looking at the future of Ford Disney reopening uh, Goya Foods and their kind of uh, upheaval, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court decision, and some. Stay tuned for another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. All right. All right. Just getting into it. Looking at the future of Ford, Ford uh, Motor Company, there's been a lot of interesting developments uh, surrounding its uh, productivity. Great article written by Paul uh, Einstein. Uh, Paul writes that Ford is embroiled in an internal dispute over whether to continue producing vehicles for the U.S. law enforcement in light of the broader national debate over police brutality. As many as 100 Ford employees have raised their questions or raised questions in letters to senior executives as well as during the corporate town hall held online. Several company insiders said confirming, uh, confirming a report that first appeared in the Detroit Free Press. For Ford to pull out of the specialized market, it could have significant ramifications as the Detroit automaker currently produces about two-thirds of the vehicles used by U.S. law enforcement agencies. The issues or issue of police brutality, especially when it comes to the handling of uh, minority communities, has triggered explosive debates and weeks of protests across America since the death of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minnesota. Ford Executive Chairman Bill Ford and CEO Jim Hackett has issued a public statement last month declaring that the car maker cannot turn a blind eye to systemic racism nor accept uh, some sense of order that based on oppression. Detroit automakers in general have taken a number of steps to respond in crisis. General Motors has donated $10 million to groups promoting racial justice and social, uh, social inclusion, including the NAACP. But that has, if anything, accelerated an internal debate. A letter circulated by some Ford employees first obtained in technology website The Verge called on the company to cease development, production, and sale of all custom police vehicles and products. Okay, so here's my thoughts. Ford... Uh, it's it's kind of like the guilty by association theory. Even though Ford has nothing to do with the systemic oppression and police brutality that has basically been ongoing since the inception of police within the United States, Ford has to have a response because it supplies basically the vehicles that are being used. When you think of a law enforcement vehicle, Ford comes to mind. Uh, you know, Ford or old, you know, Chevy Caprice, you know, it, it supplies over two-thirds or a great majority of their vehicles. And when you are in partnership with an entity, with an organization that has exuded unfavorable and unwanted behavior it will bring into question your other partners. And like any organization, there will be a uh, distancing or a, I won't say a disavowing, but definitely a statement to say, hey, if things do not cease, we might have to consider other options. And it's fair game. Uh, it's like when an athlete does something uh, heinous and all of a sudden there's, there's dropped by you know Nike, by Gatorade, by McDonald's. 
it's because of the actions and they can't wholeheartedly be in partnership, at least to the full extent in which they were, knowing that these allegations are real and that these events have occurred. And until a time has passed where there is now uh, acceptance and forgiveness uh, and a path forward, there has to be some sense of ramification. So shout out to Ford uh, for trying to do the right thing and really making it a mandate that, hey, look, you cannot continue like this and receive these type of benefits, right? Now, obviously, I'm sure from the police unions, Ford benefits financially from having their cars utilized uh, by the police. Uh, so they might not be too quick to pull that. Uh, but like any type of corporate partnership, any type of brand awareness, um, all things work together hand in hand and they're synergistic movement. So for Ford to have understood this and to have basically determined that, you know, we have to make an amends because what's going on currently is not acceptable, says a lot, right? It says a lot um, and, and it's needed to be said. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the future with Ford and it's basically contracts uh, with law enforcement and it's supplying of motor vehicles. Uh, but I think I do think that Ford is is going down the right path, basically holding them accountable and saying if things do not change, we are within our well right uh, to pull our sponsorship. You hear that applause? You hear that applause? That is all the Mickey Mouse, uh, Mickey Mouse Club fans. Uh, what is it? The Mouse of Tears. That is uh, all generations. Uh, that have grown up on the magical world of Disney. Disney has announced its reopening uh, in the midst of a pandemic that is still not over, that has not, the the curve has not yielded, that we are not out of the thick of things. Uh, yet Disney has decided to reopen. And I understand why from multiple angles, but want to cover just some of the facts first. Uh, Ahizia Garcia Hodges goes on to write that Cheryl Evans is worried about the coronavirus pandemic. Her and her family are making their bi their uh, biennial trip to Walt Disney World anyway, and there will be therefore it's reopening on July the 11th, uh, despite the dramatic surge in COVID-19 cases in Florida. She says she has faith in Disney. We are worried about the virus being so on fire, and this is putting a lot of trust into Disney. I do feel like Disney has set up some amazing protocols to keep people safe. Evans told NBC News in an interview, we would go outside of Disney World, hopefully in the Disney World bubble will feel safe. Florida now has had over 1,000 cases and 18 or for every 1,035 cases has had over 18.6 deaths per 100,000 people, according to data uh, from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Disney did not respond to a request for comment on its decision to move forward with the reopening, even as cases in the state arise. Also, remember, at the end of this month, the NBA season is going to resume and its headquarters is in Disney. Disney is kind of like the test uh, center for all of, of this is, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's, it's giving up its magical kingdom uh, to be a bubble for the world to see how things could go in a controlled environment. Uh, so just to cover some more information, California, which took early steps to limit the spread of coronavirus has taken a more cautious approach to reopening than Florida. Uh, California's has 731.8 cases and 16.6 deaths per 100,000 people uh, in their state. I, I think what is true, I think 
two things are simultaneously true at the same time. The first is business has been so negatively impacted that not opening up this year or having no plan of reentry is ultimate death from a financial standpoint. The second thing is ultimately true. This virus is so uh, detrimental, so destructive, such a pathogen that we have not dealt with before that doing anything is a miscalculated step. Uh, And because there's no real cure, there isn't a vaccine, there really isn't a hard treatment for this. And because of that, do you just shut down to stay shut down? And you have both pressures working at the same time. That's what I said is a simultaneous effect. From a business standpoint, I believe that the business entity has to be understanding of first, its employees, second, its customers. And the question that it has to answer first is, are we putting people at risk? The second question that has to be answered is, do we have enough capital to sustain long term, um, a long term phase of no capital gains or no revenue? And a, the truth of the matter is, to sustain, especially a workforce intact, it might not have the capital uh, reservoir or res- you know for that. So you're almost forced to negate the first part. And say, are we putting people at risk? Because even if you practice social distancing, even if you wear a mask, even if you wear a glove, it reduces the chances to get affected by this dramatically. And it does. And it's beautiful. But reducing and eliminating are two separate things. If the argument is, well, you can get sick doing anything. And that's a valid argument. It's nothing to be taken for light for granted. Uh, But the effervescent or ever-present feeling of of what I would say uh, uh, ultimate distraught or an ultimate uh, end due to this one pathogen has not really been seen on a global scale in a very, very long time. We're talking about like the, you know, the Black Plague or, you know, 1918 we're, it's it's been a long time before you know since we've had to really say is it even worth moving forward as a as a world right so I do think Disney opening up is not a mistake. I think they have enough precautions and protocols in place to curtail the spiking of anything and to and to keep this thing controlled. My fear is. It's almost like when you watch Jurassic Park 1, right? And it was beautiful. They discovered that dinosaurs are back and they had this island dedicated to them. At what point does the T-Rex come is the fear. And what I mean by that, if this thing goes south and you allowed this experiment to go on because of profit, and it's pure profit, is, is the motivation, is it worth the casualties? And to me, the answer is no. Now, I can't tell Disney what to do. With his money, I can't tell it what to do with his operations. I do not work for Disney. I understand the pressures from a financial uh, impact. I understand you have workers that 
have to feed their families and they need this to be in operations. I'm not against this decision for reasons like that. I just hope and my prayer is that this does not backfire. This does not blow up in anyone's face that Disney is able to sustain operations and is able to operate and is not a catalyst uh, for a huge spike in, in intact and transmission of this disease. If Disney is able to effectively operate in safeguarded measures, then this could be an example of leadership and willing to step out on faith and, and, and basically creating a new normal and allowing that to be the normal going forward. Goya Foods is in trouble. Uh, Goya Foods, uh, Dennis Romero goes on to write that Goya, which says it's the nation's largest Hispanic-owned food brand, is facing a backlash after its chief executive met with and heaped praise on President Donald Trump at the White House. On Twitter, hashtag Boy Scott Goya and hashtag Goya Foods were trending in the United States and some Latinos were also using the hashtag Goya Way. Trump reached out to the Latino voters with a promised expansion of his Hispanic Prosperity Initiative and an effort said to include more taxpayer support for charter and private schools and an added tax benefit for an opportunity zone development in urban neighborhoods. School choice is a great civil rights issue and maybe the greatest one of our times, the president said. For the event, which included the signing of the executive order on the initiative, Trump hosted the group of uh, Latinx, Hispanic supporters, including politicians and business magnates, one day after he met with the Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, who was facing a backlash of his own. Goya Foods C- uh, CEO went out and put out a statement and said that we are truly blessed to have a leader like Trump. Goya Foods CEO Robert Unanui attended the event and used the occasion to announce his donation of a million cans of chickpeas and a million pounds of other food to food banks. This remark set off a wave of criticism of New Jersey-based Goya founded in 1936 by European immigrants. Some called for the consumers to consume other brands in the canned food aisle. Um, Secretary, I think the most outspoken one and the most outspoken person uh, from this backlash is uh Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, former Housing and Urban, excuse me, Development Secretary Julian Castro tweeted, Americans should think twice before buying their products. This is, so this is my thought. I think, first of all, I think Julian Castro is an amazing individual and was a great presidential uh, candidate for the Democratic uh, primary. It's hard because companies want protection and they want access. And a lot of times, for lack of a better word, they have to dance with the devil. And when you see it, the initial response is to say, whoa, how could you? But their actions or inactions allows for certain access to happen. Do I agree that Goya Foods should have praised, uh, number 45 should have praised Donald Trump? The answer is no. Has certain business measures that have been implemented under his administration has prospered Goya Foods, uh, especially uh, prior COVID or pre-COVID-19? 
probably. And there, therefore, that's why the praise happened. Uh, Goya Foods, like many other organizations, understand that ultimately they are dictated to and responsible for revenue generation. And to have access to be a major player in that market, you need certain protections. And having um, the ability to have access to the legislative branch, really through uh, to the executive branch, is what that exchange is about. I don't think it's an overreaction, nor do I think it's necessarily the appropriate reaction. I do think you have to take it with a grain of salt, considering you see the uh, the fighting against DACA, the fighting against uh, immigrants, the the putting people in cages. I do think it's a bit hypocritical to praise this man. Uh, but I understand without justification why business makes this devil's advocate plea because it's this constant exchange of I don't like you, but I need you. And this necessary evil that is... Allotted uh, and and is and is deemed okay, so that business can continue. Uh, so really, it's more of a systemic change that needs to happen. So I totally support uh, Secretary Julian Castro, uh, and I understand Goya Foods, uh, their perspective and their their claim and praise. I understand uh, why their CEO has made such a great effort uh, in praising uh, Trump. Uh, praising Pre- uh, President Trump, and I understand it from all angles. I think the consumer, the activist, the humanitarian, they and the business person all has to understand that they are in the same highway in different lanes, and they have to make sure that they're all able to get off at the same access ramp equally. And I think when that exchange starts happening, then, then you'll really see progress. Chief Justice Roberts has uh, become the really sentence, uh, sentence, really center of of uh, of attention. He is becoming what some have deemed as the new Anthony Kennedy, uh, though he declares that he's not. Uh, but he has become one of the voices from the center, even though he was uh, implemented and came to the Supreme Court as a conservative. He is looked as a really voice from the middle. Peter, Pete Williams goes on to write that uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, now the center of the Supreme Court, consider this is the term that ended Thursday when he was the majority in all but two cases. Uh, Roberts joined fellow conservatives in rulings bolstering religious freedom and presidential power over independent federal agencies. But in the terms headline cases, he has cast the deciding votes by joining liberal justice uh, justices in a 5-4 decision that overturned the state's law restricting access to abortion. And that blocked the Trump administration from trending down DACA, which allows young people known as dreamers to remain in the U.S. Those rulings and others have infuriated the president and some of his supporters. Chief Justice John Roberts uh, was in a majority in the 97 percent of the court's decisions this term highest uh, percentage since he came to the court 15 years ago. According to statistics compiled by Adam Feldman, um, he dissented only from the court's 6-3 ruling that said the Constitution requires unanimous verdicts in jury trials from serious crimes from a 5-4 decision, declaring that a Native American tribe has some jurisdiction over a large part of eastern Oklahoma. Another decision is joined by Roberts that pleased liberals and angered conservatives. This term, the court rejected President Donald Trump's efforts to defeat subpoenas for his personal financial documents and said existing civil rights laws 
ban job discriminations based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Roberts is not a swing justice uh, in the mode of uh, Anthony Kennedy, but he is uh, he is writing sweeping opinions that move the law to the left. I think what's happening is that, like anything, I think you can't put people in a box. You can be technically deemed a conservative and vote and make decisions that would favor liberal initiatives. You can be deemed technically a liberal and make decisions that favor conservative tendencies. I think the human experience is not linear. I think you do what's right. And especially when it's needed to be done, what's right, when it's time to be right. And it's always time to be right. I think this boxing or identity grouping and putting in linear understandings of how anybody moves, thinks and acts is detrimental because as you can see, just because overwhelmingly you might lean toward one side does not mean that you will always fully support one side. And what Chief Justice John Roberts is doing is not focusing on becoming a swing voter, but doing what is needed regardless of ideology. And that is something that we need more than now uh, in the White House and leadership period is doing what's right all the times because it's always right to do what's right. So hats off to John Roberts. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously he's, he's not my favorite Supreme Court justice right now. I would say it's probably Ruth Ginsburg. Uh, but, you know, hots, not hots, but hats off uh, to John Roberts for doing what is right, for understanding that wherever he feels, whatever he believes, if it is against truth, if it is against the good of the people, if it is against the well-being of the nation, if it is against law and facts, then you always have to do what is right, regardless of how you feel. So I I truly uh, love seeing the evolution of individuals and look forward to the future. All right, that has been another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. Look, connect with me. Follow me on IG, IG at CVMK33. Connect with me on Twitter at Cody's Life underscore one. Uh, I would look forward to hearing from you. You can follow me. You can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can hit me on Facebook. I just want to engage with you. want to get to know who my listeners are. Let me know if you want to be on a podcast, on a featured guest, on an episode. We have so many episodes coming down the pipeline. We have a lot of things in store for 2020, 2020, 2021 are going to be huge. Uh, Stay connected. Until next time. Thanks.